from Forth. This is So What Do You Do podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on So What Do You Do? Today, I have an extra special guest. This is bonus footage. I have my father here, Mark Wilton, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what he does, um, his life's passion, which is sales, um, and why he thinks it's a great job, not just for him, but for anybody and Mm -hmm. how he got started. So go ahead, Dad. Introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. Well, first of all, I'm so proud to be your father. (laughs) But other than that, I've been in sales ever since I got out of college. I started selling life insurance. I've sold so many different things you can't imagine. (laughs) Solar energy panels on top of roofs. Oh, gosh. Um, Telecommunication sales when that was hot because Mm -hmm. I always wanted to kind of be involved with what's up and coming and going to be a growing field. So my background's been primarily technology, okay. selling everything from big telephone systems, uh, all kinds of technology, voice recognition systems, things of that nature, sending to selling to uh, enterprise corporations, large companies. Okay. And now I'm involved in the nutraceutical or the vitamin and supplement business. Okay. And I have my own business, so I started off working for other people. And, and now at this stage of my life, for the last 10 years, I've worked for myself, still in sales, mm-hmm. uh, but I own the company now. Right. And so I make vitamins for mostly for Amazon sellers that are all over the world. Okay. And I get to work from home. And as long as I have a computer and a telephone, I can do my work and it gives me a lot of flexibility. Okay. So, um, so first I want to back up and say, so you said you've been doing sales pretty much as your career for your life and you've done some entrepreneurship things. That's what you're doing right now. Yeah. But what did you, what did, where did you go to school and what did you study? Oh, I went to the university of Wisconsin in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Okay. And I just had a general background, but I specialized in marketing and business my last two years. So that's my degree Okay. in marketing. So when you were in school, you were in business, but did you know you wanted to do sales particularly? I don't know if I knew. I just wanted to get through college. Okay. And I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. But then when I started being involved in sales, I remember saying to myself, this is incredible. I get paid to talk to people and listen <laughs> to them. I couldn't believe there was a job like that available. Yeah. Because if you like listening to people and consulting with them, it's a great profession and it's a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I obviously am your daughter. So growing up, I remember you telling me that, or I love, you know, I can't imagine doing anything else. So, but it's interesting because I didn't, I guess, know if that was what you knew you wanted to do in college or no, not. No, I wasn't. I didn't know. Yeah. So what was, I think I know the answer to this, but for all my listeners, what was that very first role out of school? Like your first sales job? My first job was selling life insurance. Okay. So that's what which, started you into the industry. It did. Yeah. And I learned a lot about dealing with people, asking the proper questions like you're doing here mm-hmm. um, to really explore what their needs and wants and desires would be and then see if I could have a fit. 
w- right. with what I was offering at the time. Right. But that was my first job out of college was life insurance. Okay. Now, did you like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I like talking to people, but I didn't like the fact that like everybody that I knew was a prospective customer. Mm-hmm. I really... So that's why I actually got out of that business after about eight months or so. Mm-hmm. I did pretty well in it, yeah. but I wanted to be involved really in selling to corporations okay. rather than individuals. Yeah. So I work with a lot of students that say the same thing. They don't want to get into sales because in their mind, they're going to be selling to their peers yeah. and that's intimidating and scary. But I also think it probably taught you a lot about how to lead with relationships. And I know you talk to me a lot about that in terms of selling and businesses, letting the relationship be the backbone. But did that teach you? Like what What would you say is the biggest takeaway from that role? From I know that you were first in Africa, job? Yes. I know it was only eight months, but still, what do you think it was? It really was to find out how people feel rather than how they think. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds maybe confusing or kind of the same thing. Yeah. But you really want to know how they feel about certain things so you can um, really deal with their emotions. Mm -hmm. Because what's interesting is that people will buy with their emotions. They'll buy really what they want Mm -hmm. um, and what they're excited about. And then they'll use logic to explain why they bought what they bought. Right. So they really buy emotionally. Right. But use the logic, oh, it was a great deal, it was a great price, or whatever that reason was. Right. So so learning to talk with people and find out how they feel about things before I would even provide a solution. Kind of like a doctor, you know, with, this is a good analogy because when you go to the doctor, you don't walk in the room and the doctor says, oh, I know what you need. And right. starts prescribing things. Right. The doctor asks questions and he and analyzes you and finds out how you're feeling, so to speak, mm-hmm. physically. Yeah. Before they start offering solutions. Right. Whereas I'm sure a lot of maybe less successful salesmen just come in with their solution. Yeah. And start talking and just start features talking and benefits. Features. Yeah. And when they have no apl- applicability to what the customer really mm. needs or wants. Okay. Also, what's interesting is people usually want what they can't have. Mm-hmm. psychologically. So if you go in offering things for them, they're going to back off and be kind of defensive. Whereas if you ask questions, learn what they want, and then provide a solution, mm-hmm. it's really it's a better fit and they don't feel like you've forced it on them. Right. It kind of goes back to that same mentality a little bit of, you know, people say never give anything for free because they won't even get the value from it. Right. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying of people want what they can't have. Yeah. So for me, like if I want to buy something that I kind of can't afford, I'm going to be so grateful to have it once I have it, right? Or I really, really want to buy it if I see that there's value in it. Yeah. Versus, oh, someone's just giving it to me for free. Well, I don't know if I wanted that That's much, right. You know, That's or, right. Yeah. You kind of have earned it or right. worked for it. Right. Exactly. So it has more value to it. Yeah. You. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so so that was your first experience in sales with insurance. And then I took a sales training class, and I learned a great deal there from Dale Carnegie. Okay. Sales training. And I actually sold them a phone system so I could take the class for free. Okay, a little trading situation. Yeah, I traded and bartered, so to speak. Yes, exactly. But something I learned that I'll never forget was when people are buying things that they're not used to buying, this does not apply to... If you always buy the same thing over and over again, like mm-hmm. when you go to the grocery store yeah. and you buy cereal or whatever, this is for things that you hadn't purchased before that you're thinking about getting. 
And what, and what happens is people go through a series of steps. The first one is called attention. You have to get their attention. And the way you get their attention is by making what they called a startling statement or something to wake them up. Mm-hmm. So the process goes attention, then they have an interest, then they become convinced through the information you're giving them that creates a, des- a desire to own that product or service, and then they go ahead and buy it. Okay, so attention, attention, interest, interest conviction, desire, close, okay. or buy. Buy, okay. And by the way, when I use the word close, one of the things I learned in sales is, is not to really try to force anybody to do anything or close them, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people who aren't in sales are afraid of it. Because they think they have to be forcing something on somebody that they don't want. Mm-hmm. And really, the best salespeople, not salesmen, but the mm-hmm. best salespeople will ask questions and only provide a solution when it's a good fit. Gotcha. Right. And and I hear that in my work where you never want to be selling something to someone that you don't believe genuinely and authentically that is actually a good product or solution for yeah. them. Right. Because ultimately... That's going to show through regardless, right. and then they're not going to be getting the value, and then that's actually going to hurt future sales for you, for someone who it might be a good fit for. That's true. And so you you want the product or the solution or service to be a perfect fit for that yeah, customer, that's essentially. Right. And some, depending on your product, you can sometimes customize it to make it fit. Right, right, of and course. And I, I do enjoy that kind of sales the most, which I do now. Mm-hmm. In the vitamin business, I can make just about anything. Right. So I can really fit it to what they want rather than having some solution that I'm trying to put like a, how do they say, a square peg in a round hole, yeah. or so to speak. Yeah, um, You don't have to do that if you're in the right type of sales position and, like you said, right. believe in what you're doing. Right. Okay, that's awesome. So you kind of, you talk about this a little bit just now. Um, and I really want to get into debunking some sales um, mentalities or, or what young people think or sales stereotypes. is. Stereotypes. Thank yeah. you. But before we do that, I want you to expand a little bit about what it is you do today. You talked about it a little bit, but yeah. you're in the supplement industry. Right. But talk about your role as it relates to how you fit in that piece. Like if I'm going on Amazon and I'm buying a supplement, vitamin yeah. D, vitamin C, whatever. Yeah. And that happens to be your customer. Talk about where you fit between that person they're buying from on Amazon and the producer. Like, where are you? Okay. Let me first explain what I do is if you're a very good salesperson in most jobs or positions, you're a detective. So you're trying to find the right company to call on Mm -hmm. and the right person in that company to call on. So you can do that in a lot of different ways. Right. One way is through referrals and talking to people you know and, and explaining what you do and asking them who they know that might be a good fit for you to call on right. or to, to, to work with. But the way I do it in most cases is I'll go to Amazon, for example, and I'll type in the name of an ingredient. Let's say it's turmeric. Mm-hmm. And I'll see all these companies on Amazon that sell it. Then I go to another place, a database, Mm-hmm. Put in that company name that then shows me the people that work there and what mm-hmm. their titles are. It also shows me their email address and their LinkedIn address and their phone number. So what I'll usually typically do is send them a LinkedIn connection request, mm-hmm. um, see if they reply. I may also send them an email later if they don't respond to the LinkedIn. Uh, and then I can give them a call as well. 
So I use databases to find the right companies and the right people. So it's really about being a detective more than anything else. Right. Okay. So that's kind of how you approach your work to right. get your clients to sell your product. That's so right. who is your client? My client in this case would be an Amazon seller that's selling thousands and thousands of one particular product. Okay, got it. So you're so you're looking for people that are selling supplements that's right. on to the consumer. To the consumer. Me, a listener, anyone, Joe Schmo yes. off the street who's going on Amazon to buy supplements. Yeah. So then you let's say you get business with them, then what you're working with who? You're not making these supplements in your backyard. Right. So who are you working with? Oh, I have a laboratory that I partner with. Yep. And they actually make the product for me. Okay. So, or for my client. Mm-hmm. So I find the client first, go through that process of getting their attention, creating interest, and then they they learn about the laboratory that we use. Mm-hmm. And I may even take them to the laboratory so they pretty much fall in love with the people that are there, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. so that they feel comfortable giving their business to this laboratory. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of the interface between the laboratory and the customer. Mm-hmm. Not only in the beginning when they decide to go ahead and have us make their products, right. but then I'm also their liaison or their contact person after that to fulfill all their orders. Right. Because the good thing about repeat sales is they're buying every month or every quarter over and over again. Right. And so I like that kind of sales, by the way. Right. Where you can create a residual income. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I wanted you to explain. Obviously, I know most of this, but what I what I like about your story and what you do today is you have this skill to sell. And like you said, sales salespeople... Um, sometimes get a bad rap and we're going to go into maybe debunking some of that. Uh-huh. But I think what's cool about what you do is you serve in an entrepreneurial role. You say, I work from home, you know, yeah. you, you do, you do what you need to get done to, to make your business run, but you've fit yourself in this gap, in this need where, you know, you, I know you and obviously well, and you have a passion for supplements and vitamins and health and yeah. wellness. Yeah. So you you know, saw a need or met the right people that identified this need yeah. and you're working for yourself, but you don't create a product ever. You're no. not producing supplements. You're not touching the inventory, That's right. but you're providing the service, the customer service and the touch point that that um, seller on Amazon needs to make their business run. That's right. And then you're also providing a great service to the laboratory because you're bringing them customers and That's clients. Right. That's right. And so I think... One thing I I have learned from you is, you know, having the ability to sell really opens up a lot of doors because everyone needs salespeople in their business, whether they're doing it themselves or they don't want to do it themselves and they need someone else to do it. Yeah. Um, and so every industry, if they want to make money, they have it's to a, sell. Right. A saying in sales that, that nothing happens until something's sold. Right. Right. So... Nothing's made until something's sold. Mm -hmm. I have to say, though, I don't really view myself as a salesperson. I view myself as somebody helping other people to buy. So there's a difference there. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not closing them. I'm not trying to convince them of something. Right. Other than laying out what I can do for them. But they want I want them to be happily buying. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Excited to buy from us or from me. And so a lot of the 
a lot of misunderstanding about sales, I think, is that maybe people are familiar with the old school salesperson, maybe the car salesman that's mm-hmm. trying to sell you a crummy car and, you know, talk you into something. Right. Today's corporate sales are nothing like that, in my opinion, at all. You know, it's very professional. Mm-hmm. You're not con- trying to convince or twist anyone's arm at all. Right. You know, you're just providing a solution that you know that they need and trying to show them you have the best answer for them. You have such a deep belief in whatever it is that you're selling. Yeah. So, And you mentioned this just now. You you don't want to be a salesperson. You want to help someone buy effectively or buy right. what they need. Make a good decision. Make a good decision. To any of my young people listening who... Maybe maybe you do have an opportunity right out of school to be in sales, and that scares you for whatever reason. Maybe it's the commission-based model. Maybe it's the slimy car salesman yeah. vibe that they don't want to embody. But to your point, number one, you don't have to be that way, and that's not really how you can be successful in sales, number that's one. Right. And number two, if you believe in the product, then there should be no um, resistance to that role because That's if you right. believe that it's going to better your customer then you're just you're doing them a service right right yeah again i think i'm trying to help them make a buying decision mm-hmm. not closing or selling anything right i don't even really like that term frankly right I'm salesman or, or salesperson yeah um I'm re- i really view myself more as just a business executive talking to another business executive right. that has a need and showing them the best solution that I think is the best. So that goes back to what you said about uh, being proud of what you offer. Right. If you if you're proud of what you offer, then then you don't feel like you're trying to convince anyone. You feel like you're doing them a favor. What do you think, either both on your own or working for someone? What do you think makes a good salesperson? Like maybe it's innate traits or just something that you worked on well, and you got better I at. I think you can learn to be a good salesperson yeah. or marketing person, whatever right. you want to call it. So what do you I don't think? think it's, I don't think it's necessarily instilled in you when you're born. You know, some people say you're a born salesperson. Yeah. I don't know if I really believe in that. I think you just have to learn to shut up, ask the right questions like mm-hmm. a doctor would, and listen to their needs. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people just want to be listened to. And so... That's what I would recommend is just ask the right questions and listen. I think a lot of it also early on, I copied the other salespeople or I would ask the other salespeople what they did. I'll give you an example. When I was selling telephone systems in Chicago, I had moved there, didn't know a single person, didn't know any companies. I was competing really with about 20 other salespeople, Mm -hmm. all looking for the same business. And I asked the top performer one day, what's the secret to this? How are you this successful? What have mm-hmm. you done? And you know what he told me? What? He said, I work with real estate brokers and they give me the leads on who to call and who to talk to. So when I call that particular client about a new phone system because they're moving somewhere, see, because they were moving, creating an impending event and a reason to get a phone system mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then when the real estate broker tells the buyer to deal with me, mm-hmm. they're going to listen to me and they're going to meet with me. So a lot of my business initially was asking questions and, and, and then reaching out to other real estate brokers that I would read about in their And they had a publication that came out and I'd read about one of my good friends today, Dan Bessie. Mm-hmm. Okay? He was with Caldwell Banker and I read in this magazine that he had closed a sale. So I called his office, asked for him, told him I read about him and asked him if I could buy him lunch. 
or breakfast actually. And, uh, and I said, we, we deal with a lot of the same people. Maybe we can exchange, you know, leads back and forth. Mm -hmm. He's, he's been a good friend ever since that time. Yeah. And we exchanged leads back and forth. And I did that with like three other brokers. And after about three months, I would just go to the fax machine because we had fax machines then. Mm -hmm. No computers. Right. This was 1980. And on my fax machine would be leads from the real estate brokers that I met with telling me who I should be calling. Right. But not everyone did that. So I would give some leads to the real estate brokers, a couple. And if they didn't respond back, I would drop them and look for another one. Mm -hmm. So that's that was a key to, for me to selling in a new city. Something else you said is you asked the other successful, the people that you saw being successful right. in your role when you got in there, like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, how are you doing this? And I, that's so valuable. It's so simple, but it's so valuable. And most people won't do it either because they're intimidated or they're embarrassed to ask for help. Right. Or they don't think that they're going to share their secrets Correct. because, you know, they're like, oh, you know, right. we're in competition. But what you find is, People are willing to share their secrets because they're going to assume, well, I'm going to do it better than you anyway. Right. Or whatever the Plus reason like might be. they like to kind of brag about what they've done. Right. I mean, everybody wants to, right. to do that. People ask me all the time about starting forth. And I give them everything. I don't hold anything back. And part of that is because I know that it takes hard work. I can give them all the secrets they want. But at the end of the day, if they don't do it, then it's not going to get done. But, but if they do, they'll be really successful. And I would love to be the person that told them, how to be get that success. Yeah, like that would be exciting to me to see them take any advice I give them and see them succeed. Um, okay. So this is kind of the final piece and, and this interview is a bonus, as I mentioned. So it's a little bit off the cuff and um, figuring out your thoughts behind being in sales. If I was a student coming out of school again, yeah, I would do exactly what I did, yep. which is I went to the library now, maybe today you do it on the internet. Yeah. But I went to the library and read the most recent magazines, like Time Magazine. Mm -hmm. And I saw that telecommunications was going to be big. So I think a lot of my success was getting in the right industry that I was interested in. Yeah. Because I do like gadgets and technology mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Yeah. But you have to look at today's world and see what, what are people buying? You know, what what mm -hmm. where is the business? Because there's a saying that... All boats rise with the rising tide, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. All the boats, everybody in sales in a certain industry is going to do well right. if that industry is doing well. Right. So what I would say out of school is do some research and find some different industries or types of companies or products that you can relate to that you like, mm -hmm. that you're interested in, and then research the companies that are the leaders in that, in that field. Right. When I first started, I was in Milwaukee selling little teeny small phone systems for about a year. And then I wanted to graduate up to a bigger company, which I did. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to actually work for the manufacturer and I moved to Chicago into a bigger market. Mm -hmm. So I started small on straight commission and then eventually moved up to a salary and, and bigger commissions and bigger systems and bigger money. And it's just like going from middle school to graduating from college. You start at one place yeah. and you evolve you know, to the next. I think if you start in a big company, that's great. Yeah. But I also think there's value to learning because there were probably things that you learned in both insurance, but also small telecommunications, yeah. smaller market, smaller company, whatever it may be that you took with you. Like people in broadcasting always say like the best gift that you can get is starting off 
on a small market, like uh-huh. on a little dinky local t- TV because yeah. you're trying things and you're failing, but there's less eyeballs on you and you're learning much, much fa- faster. Right. Plus you're not going to get that big NBC television right. job. Exactly. But they're saying, don't be upset that you didn't get it. Be excited that you have kind of this like almost like junior league right. role and then you can learn a bunch. And then when you do go to the big screen or the big market or big, whatever TV opportunity, yeah. then you're ready to go. And all your mistakes are like way back in the past. And, and so I think that's with any industry, any role, yeah. but definitely with sales too, because you're just figuring it out at the beginning. And like you said, you're asking people, you're kind of getting your feet wet. And then you you may have an opportunity to jump to something bigger. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a track to run on. You, you yes. have to start somewhere. Yes. And when you have no experience, you're not going to get that ideal job that you've right. always wanted to have your whole life. Right. But the good news is when you're out of school, usually you don't have as many commitments and as much money requirements. And right. you can work on straight commission if you have to, yes. which I did. Yes. Because no one was going to pay me a salary until I proved that I could do the job. Right. That's the biggest thing that I hear from students is, I don't want to, I can't do that job. It's, it's just sal. It's just commission. There's right. no salary. Right. So how did you make it work? Like well, what did you do? When you're on straight commission, you make it happen. Yeah. Okay. You're, there's anytime there's a necessity, uh, you, you move towards whatever you have to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you had a big fat and happy salary, you might not be as motivated. Right. Which is why so, they do it in the first place. Exactly. For so it's kind yeah. of like not a double edged sword, but it's, it, it kind of like uh, it makes sense that they're not paying you anything. They want you to perform. And then when you do, then you deserve to have mm-hmm. the salary. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did I do? Pounded yeah. on doors, walked up and down the street, took Dale Carnegie sales training, um, called my friends, Yeah, you know, got referrals. Um, it's just like being in the trenches. Yeah. It was fun though. I met a lot of people knocking on doors and yeah. and then it evolved into telephone calls from just knocking on doors when I got into into the bigger systems. Right, right. And then something I learned that really helped me a lot is when I would call a company and try to find out who to talk to. In today's world, you can find out who to talk to through databases like mm-hmm. LinkedIn and others. But in those days you couldn't do that. So I would call and talk to the operator or whoever answered the phone, mm-hmm. the receptionist. And I would just say one thing. I wonder if you could help me. Because human nature is we learn to, to help people, right, if they ask for help. Mm-hmm. So I would call the first person that answered the phone, ask for their help, and I would shut up. And they would say, okay, what? Are you sure? So yeah. I wanted to them to confirm that they could help me first. And then I would ask them, who handles your phone system or who, mm-hmm. who's your you know, IT director or whoever it was. Mm-hmm. And then they would give me the name and I'd say, great, could you send me there? Okay. And yeah. then, or maybe I'd call back later and, and ask I'd ask for, for the person, person. and I'd, I'd pretend like I know them. So let's say it was Ellie Overholt. Mm-hmm. I would call and say, oh, hey, by the way, is Ellie in? Can you send me to Ellie? Oh, who's calling? Oh, this is Mark calling. Oh, does she know that? You're going to be calling? Well, I might have sent you an email or a letter so I could say, yeah, she's expecting my call. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's certain things that you do to find out who to call, who to talk to, and then to get in the door. Right. Either through referrals or through what I just mentioned as a strategy. Right. And I I like, you've told me that before, but it's been a while. I didn't remember that until you just said that of, I wonder if you can help me because like you said, if someone asked that to me, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I can help you. What do you need? Yeah. Yeah. Like, just tell me what you need versus... Can I speak to blank? 
the right. immediate, or can I speak to the tech person or this person or that person? Right. They're imme- they're probably trained more so to oh, say they're no. They're gatekeepers. Right. right. So you don't say, hey, I wonder if you can help me. Who do I deal with with this situation? Right. You say, I wonder if I can help, if you can help me and you shut up. Yeah. And they go, sure or what? Yeah. And it's basically saying yes. Yeah. And then you tell them what you're looking for. Right. I love it's it. It's a small thing, but it's psychologically. Okay. See, that's what I love about sales. You're really a psychologist. I mean, I can't. I can remember so many meetings I've had where we weren't even talking about technology or phone systems. Somebody was talking to me about their problems at home or something with their son. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? It was yeah. just totally off the wall. But because I was a good listener, a lot of people just want someone to listen to them. Right. People just want to be heard. That's right. And they'll buy from you. You're not selling them. Mm-hmm. They're buying from you. There's a difference in mm-hmm. my mind um, because they like you. There's also a saying that people buy from those people they know, like, and trust. And it goes in that order, by the way. It's mm-hmm. a very famous phrase. Mm-hmm. So Know, like, and trust. Know, like, and trust. Okay. And you develop that trust by being quiet, asking questions, and maybe follow-up question after they say something. You don't go to something completely different. Mm-hmm. So you kind of take them along that path. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how that works. What I always talk about is everyone's favorite subject is themselves, right? right? And so if you if you make it about them, they're going to like you. They're going to want to know you more. And they're definitely going to trust you because right. you haven't told them anything about you at this point. But they feel like you like them. And so it's like, right. oh, you, they this person likes me. I love them, you right. know. And so it's taking those two mentalities of to to get someone to buy, they have to know, like, and trust. But in order for them to know, like, and trust you, most of the time, you're just spending time focused on them. Right. Because they just want to, that everyone's looking out for number one. Everyone wants the attention on themselves. Yeah. And the same is true in a sales or a business oh, yeah. operation. And by the way, for any of your, lis- your listeners that are single... That's exactly the same strategy for relationships. <laughs> it's like, where are you going with this? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Same thing in the dating world. Well, Dad, you you answered the question before I even asked. I was going to ask you about, what? you know, if you were in the same position, t- you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. what would you tell my listeners? And you said it perfectly. You said, find something you like that interests you where the si- Tide is rising, so yeah. the industry is doing well. Yeah. And just jump in and yeah. find where you fit. And also be in the right market, too. That's why I moved from a smaller market to Chicago, a much bigger market. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of like fishing for a big fish. You know, you're not going to find them a little, in a little pond. Mm-hmm. Usually you're going to find them in the ocean. Right. You know, but f- until you qualify to get on that boat in the ocean, you right. got to deal with the little fish sometimes first. Right. Right. Before you take that next step. Right. And to add to that, you take the opportunity where your career has the most growth potential. Not necessarily we're going to be making the most money. You know, 20s are for for learning, 30s are for earning, Uh typically. Right. And so if you can get in a smaller market in a great industry to where you're, it's you and one other sales guy and you're going to get to get lots of reps and lots of practice, that may be better for you than going to New York where you're in an office with 25 other salespeople and you may not get the same opportunity to learn and grow and sit in, in big meetings or whatever that may be. So you kind of have to think a little bit outside the box to say, okay, these are my two options. Which is going to 
kickstart my growth and my potential faster because ultimately that's that's what you want in your first couple jobs you just want to learn as much as you possibly can yeah and where can you be to do that and to get the most reps and like you said you did interns you did, you were in milwaukee you moved to chicago and you kind of progressed from there but i i would venture to bet that the opportunities that you had in some of those smaller markets to mm-hmm. sit in on meetings that maybe you wouldn't have in oh, a yeah. bigger city at the beginning yeah. really helped you to learn and right. kind of witness. Plus the people had the time to train me mm-hmm. and help exactly. me. I wasn't one exactly. of 50. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, so I really have enjoyed, I think the smaller like startup opportunities mm-hmm. and, and, I've gone from sales to my own business and it was a very easy transition, mm-hmm. you know, because when you have your own business, let's, let's face it, you're, you're doing marketing, you're mm-hmm. doing sales. So if anybody listening wants to be in their own business, I would suggest to get in sales first because everybody's selling. There's yeah. a, you know, everyone knows that. Even yeah. if you don't think you're in sales, you are. Yeah. Uh, so it's easy to make that transition, I think, to entrepreneurship. Yeah. Okay. You that's know? good. I know there are times where I wish I would have gone into sales, but I was too afraid. At the time, oh, I was really? too afraid. And I I was like, oh, that's not really me. But looking yeah. back, that was the one skill that grew me the most when I started my work was right. I had to be brave and get out there and get people to know, like, and trust me and, you know, yeah. to buy from me. So, um yeah, yeah. I, I would second that. You got to have pretty much confidence, I think, to get in sales in the first place or at least develop some mm-hmm. because you are, there are ups and downs. Yeah. And you are going to get rejection. Oh, Although yeah. I have to say, <laughs> I remember one person saying to me one time, that guy said no to you it's like six or seven times and eventually he said yes. And I didn't even know that he said no. Right. In other words, you have to be able to deal with the no's. You have to be able to deal with maybe a little bit of rejection, mm-hmm. but realize they're not rejecting you. They might be rejecting the idea of buying whatever you're talking mm-hmm. about at the time, mm-hmm. you know, but that's probably the hardest part, I think, of sales for right. people right. is that they think that they're going to get beat up. They think it's going to be hard. They think people are going to not like them because they're selling something. Okay. But you're actually going to make a lot more friends and have a lot of people that really do like you. Mm-hmm. In sales. Mm-hmm. You might have a few that maybe don't want to buy from you, but they're not going to hate you. Don't You just don't take it personally. Right, right. So you have to get a little bit of a tough skin sometimes, yeah. depending upon what you're selling and everything. Yeah. And usually the tougher skin you have, the more money you make and the more in the field that you're in pays you more. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't know any other field where you get paid to talk to people and you can make phenomenal income. Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing to also... If you're on straight commission, face the fact that there are going to be some times that's lean mm-hmm. and be able to handle those ups and downs. Right. And that's really the key. But as you come out of school and get older, you're able to better handle that. Right. I'd much rather have that than some corporate job sitting in an office with somebody telling me what to do. Okay. <laughs> and for everyone is- listening, this is a this is a podcast for professionals, nine to fivers. So in my opinion, any job is a good oh, job. I'm but sorry. for my father, he <laughs> he I told you guys, I warned you, he is salesman one salesperson one oh one. So that's his opinion. But what? but it's a good I think it's a valid opinion and not everyone's gonna say that. So I appreciate it. Well the, thanks. And the last thing I'll say is it I feel that when you're in sales, you have the closest thing to to having freedom. Because to me, being locked into the nine to five job in a a cubicle is like being in jail. Okay. So 
<laughs> so uh, we're looking for, you need to be the kind of person that wants to be on their own. Yes. That wants to have freedom, that, that's willing to work hard to, to have that freedom and, and justify it. Right. But like you said before, it comes with um, some risk associated, some uncertainty. Some uncertainty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To be able to deal with some uncertainty. Right. Um, but uh, you know what? You'll always get paid if you're in sales. It's the only profession that you can guarantee that you'll make money if you perform. If you perform, right. If you perform. Yes. If you're, but you have to have confidence in yourself. See, people think that a job, a nine to five, is security with a big company. It's false security. And you may want to edit this part out, Allie. <laughs> okay. The only security that you have is in yourself. Oh, my gosh. And your okay. own capabilities. Yes. No, that is true. But, the, I, but I would argue that that's true even if you're not in sales you may not have that position anymore in that company, but yes. if you are qualified and you work hard, yes. you will get a job You'll somewhere else. You'll get another else. job. Yes, People yes, will want you. Yes, exactly. So no matter what, you have to show up. Like n- no job, in my opinion, is 1,000% security on, no. from entrepreneurship all the way down to that's true. in a cubicle. So, that's true. So that's why this podcast exists so that you can feel like you are filling up your professional development tank so that you are ready and you're the top of your leaderboard yeah. in your corporate environment. Number one, the company's not going to let you go. Right. Even if they have layoffs, you're going to be one of the last. Right, right. Secondly, you have other companies calling you, trying to get you exactly. to move over somewhere. Exactly. Okay, well, we're officially, over, we're officially over time, my, <laughs> my father. Oh, no. Yes, well, thank you for today. Thank you for all of the advice and the sales information, but not just information, but inspiration and education. Um, I'm going to be linking your LinkedIn. Okay. Can I add one thing? Though? One you can, you thing. You can edit this in if you need to. One thing. Go. Going back to the referrals I was telling you about where <laughs> I would get referrals from real estate brokers. I created a network and I would suggest this of people that all have a common interest. And I'll give you the example with the telephone system business. I made relationships not with real estate brokers only, but with people that sold furniture to companies that were moving. Because guess what? They know about a company that's moving before they buy that furniture. Right. I would also deal with people that were involved with long distance because you had to sign up for a long distance company before. So it's not just getting referrals from one type of person. It's using that information to share with other people. So when I had a real estate broker lead about a company moving, I would call a furniture person and give them that lead also. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So now they feel obligated. They put me on hold and give me a lead back. Right. Okay. And if they didn't do that after I gave them a couple, they're off my list and I find another real estate broker. Right. So it's really de- about developing a group of people that you can work with that all are helping each other. And I think that was the most fun I've ever had in, as a salesperson really is the relationships I developed with the other people that I would network with. Right. Not just the customers. Right. No, I think that that's good. So referrals, the, what was the guy, Dale Carnegie method. Yep. Pick your market, pick your industry that's doing well. I'm going to link my dad's LinkedIn so you can connect with him. Tell him how much you loved this episode and how much he inspired you to get into the sales world. And thank you, dad, for being here. And um, thanks everyone for listening to So what do you do? Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this nine to fiver, let us know. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and tag us on social at fourth underscore LLC. 
We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, GoForthLLC.com, and browse our career downloads, read our blogs, and get inspired to go forth.